0: You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. We invite you to join us Sundays at 10 a.m. We also encourage you
1: to visit riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Chris Tyen. Hi, this is Pastor Chris from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, and today I want to talk to you about how pride trips you up, but humility leads to success. Pride trips you up, but humility leads to success. And what better time to talk about pride and humility than Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, Super Bowl Sunday. So I don't know if you're going to watch the Super Bowl. I don't know if you're into Super Bowl. Uh, maybe you're going to watch the Puppy Bowl. Maybe you're going to sit on the couch and read a book with your cat. I don't know what you're going to do. But uh, anyway, I hope that you find time to worship the Lord and spend time in His Word. And thank you for watching this. But anyway, pride trips you up. Humility leads you to success. This Super Bowl Sunday, some of the most accomplished football players are going to compete in Super Bowl 55. And they are going to uh, win the game, win a trophy, and win a Super Bowl ring. So the The Super Bowl champions get a Super Bowl ring. Actually, the losers don't get a Super Bowl ring. Uh, They get a division championship ring. Uh, The losers also get $75,000 for the game. The winners get $150,000. As a bonus for the game. So that's all 53 players, or how many ever are on the roster, get that reward, get that bonus because it's a team sport. It's not an individual sport. Uh, can you imagine if they were rewarding each player based on their plays? It's like, all right, $10,000 for each touchdown, everybody'd be hogging the ball. Everybody would be saying, me, 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 but it's a team sport. That means that you can be a touchdown teddy or bench warmer bob and you still get the check if you win the Super Bowl $150,000. That means that you could play your heart out. You could play on both sides. You could play until you are just totally worn out in the Super Bowl or you could sit on the bench the whole time have really great seats to watch it all go by uh not play a single play in the entire Super Bowl game and still get your $150,000 check or you could be a loser of the Super Bowl sit on the bench and still get your 50 or $75,000 bonus check $75,000 that's what it is um anyway eventually all these players they're going to get old, and they're going to get replaced by somebody that's bigger, by somebody that's faster and stronger. A few of the legends will be remembered for great plays or great seasons, um, and some of them will go through life humble, and others will go through life prideful, remembering those glory days of the past. You know, as fans, we notice some of the most accomplished players are pretty prideful, while other greats have learned to be humble, Humble champions make better teammates. Humble, humble champions make better role models. Uh, some people have reasons to be proud, but humble themselves before God and others. So it's easy to look to sports heroes. Uh, I think many fans fueled their pride. I uh, Remember when we had the Minnesota Viking Purple People Leader, uh, Jeff Seaman, speak at River Rock years ago? A real football hero that has humbly served Jesus with his evangelism and apologetics ministry. His football accomplishments became a platform for him to proclaim Jesus, and he's been faithful. Uh, he was a great player. He was disciplined. He was a good teammate, and he still talks about football. People, especially the old guys like my dad, still talk about the football of his generation because um, he was uh, famous in the 70s. But anyway, uh, Romans twelve sixteen says, Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not be conceited. You know, some people are full of foolish pride. Um, an example is Muhammad Ali. So back in his heyday when he was the heavyweight champion of the world... Uh, he was getting on an airplane on a 747, and uh, the plane was taxiing down the runway. And the stewardess noticed that he wasn't wearing his seatbelt, so she came over and she said, uh, "Excuse me, please fasten your seatbelt." And he looked, Muhammad Ali looked up proudly, and he said, "Superman don't need no seatbelt." Without hesitation, the stewardess stared back at him and said, "Superman don't need no plane." Anyway. Uh, you know, that's an awesome way to correct that. Uh, I think that sometimes God corrects our pride that way. Sometimes our friends do. My wife often does. Uh, every now and then, uh, she'll kick me under the table. That's a sign that I need to be quiet. Uh, anyway, that's when people are over or we're out to eat with somebody. So that little nudge on my shin says, ooh, I might have crossed the line. So anyway, we all struggle with pride. We all struggle with saying too much sometimes. But Matthew 23, 12, Jesus said, Those who exalt themselves will be humbled, but those who humble themselves will be exalted. So, um, you know, some people are proud, very prideful, arrogant. (laughs) Other people might appear to be proud or being acting proud, uh, mistakenly appearing to be proud. The former United States president, Ronald Reagan, told the following story. He said, I once addressed a very large, distinguished audience in Mexico City and sat down to rather scattered and unenthusiastic applause. And I was somewhat embarrassed, even more, when the next man who spoke, a representative of the Mexican government speaking in Spanish, which I don't understand, was being interrupted virtually every other line with the most enthusiastic kind of applause. To hide my embarrassment, I started clapping before anyone else and longer than anyone else until our ambassador leaned over and said to me, I wouldn't do that if I were you. He's interpreting your speech. So here, the president, Ronald Reagan, might have appeared to be prideful and excited about his own speech and didn't know it because he didn't speak Spanish. Anyway, uh, some people are desperate for attention Uh, so they can have something to brag about, or so that they can uh, have people cheer for them. Uh, One of my favorite things to watch on YouTube, uh, search this on YouTube, premature victory celebrations. Search premature victory celebrations. So you see all these people that end up losing because they celebrated too early. Uh, The track star sprinting across the finish line with his hands up in the air, I'm number one, I'm number one. And then somebody's flies right past him and takes first place. Or the basketball team that thinks the clock has run out. So they're celebrating on the court. Meanwhile, the other team realizes what's going on and they go up, shoot a basket, make a point, win the game. Uh, football players. Uh, this has happened quite often. Uh, they've got the ball. They're about to run over the goal line. They're about to celebrate with a touchdown. Uh, but because they're celebrating too early because they've so slowed down a little bit because they think they've already already made it, someone comes along and tackles them or knocks the ball out of their hand. So it just goes on in every sport. Uh, goalies who think the game is over and walk away from the goal. Uh, anyway, premature victory celebrations. Uh, that is a time when you wish that you were humble, and you wish that you weren't going to be on YouTube for the rest of your life as that person that celebrated too early. All right, this Super Bowl Sunday is a great weekend to focus on how pride can keep us from God's best for our lives. Uh, repeatedly, the Bible shows that God hates sinful pride. In 1 Peter five five, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humility honors God and makes us better team players. Humility is one of the most important qualities we need to model and teach kids in team sports. Pride can trip you up, but humility leads you to success. Again, 1 Corinthians 13.4 uh, and 5. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. When you look at that list, uh, you see proud in the middle, but I bet you could draw a line to every one of them and see how there's some part of pride that affects all of those other things. If you are prideful, you are often unkind. If you are prideful, you often envy. If you are prideful, you often boast. Pride dishonors others. Pride is often self-seeking, Pride is often easily angered. Pride often keeps records of wrongs. Sometimes people are upset that uh, they feel people don't think well of them. They have the self-esteem issue. They want to impress people. They want to be seen as number one or seen as successful or financially successful or smart or whatever. Uh, some people can play off that. A matter of fact, did you hear about the clever salesman who closed hundreds of sales with this line? He said, hey. Let me show you something several of your neighbors said you couldn't afford. You could sell boats that way. You could sell cars that way. You could sell lawnmowers that way. You could sell trees that way. What a great line uh, that works on people's pride. But pride is a major problem in relationships. Proverbs 13.10 says, Pride leads to conflict. Those who take advice are wise. So, you know, Satan was prideful. Isaiah 14.14 says, Satan says, I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. And then that was his downfall. He was cast out of heaven for trying to take God's place, for trying to be God. So we need to be careful that we don't let our pride be our downfall. We need to be careful that we don't let pride destroy relationships. We don't We need to be careful that we don't let pride get in the way of our relationship with God. Too prideful to approach God on His terms. Too prideful to serve God in the way He wants us to. Too prideful to live the life that God has for us and not uh, go into debt to get more than we need or go uh, to live a life that impresses others. All right, so I've been reading a lot of John Maxwell stuff lately. I like John Maxwell. Uh, He started out as a pastor, and he then uh, got into writing leadership books and teaching people how to be better speakers, and now he's uh, also a pastor again. I think he's at a church in Florida as a church teaching pastor. But anyway, uh, he was writing about uh, pride, and he says, When you think of the word pride, does it strike you as positive or negative? There are certainly many positive types of pride. It's good to take pride in our work or pride in our accomplishments or we should take even pride in our accomplishing our goals. We like it when someone tells us I'm proud of you and nearly everyone wants to live in a neighborhood where people display pride of ownership in their house. So all of these expressions communicate a positive kind of pride, dignity, respect, and honor uh, traits that we can all embrace. But pride isn't always positive. Pride can also mean conceit, arrogance, or superiority. This kind of pride is based on self-centeredness, and it's destructive. Selfish pride is especially destructive to relationships. That's because the opposite of loving others is not hating them, but rather being self-centered. So how do we solve the problem of pride? I believe there are several steps, and here they are. Uh, Recognize, and admit your pride. So the next thing you can do is express your gratitude. Henry Ward Beecher said, A proud man is seldom a grateful man, for he never thinks he gets as much as he deserves. There's something about saying thank you that takes our eyes off of ourselves and puts them back on the blessings we've received and the people who have blessed us. And also we can practice servanthood. A person who is truly great is always willing to be little. but pride fights against servanthood because a proud person demands to be served Serving others requires us to focus on the needs of others rather than our own. And this also reminds us of how we are part of something bigger than ourselves. And then laugh at yourself. There's an old saying, Blessed are those that laugh at themselves, for they shall never cease to be entertained. Once you begin to look, For the humor and your behavior and situation, you find it everywhere. Prideful people take themselves way too seriously. By laughing at yourself, you begin to see how absurd we can all be sometimes. If your pride pushes you toward performing with excellence, doing your best, and finding joy in the accomplishments of others, it's probably helping you become a better leader. Uh, But if there's even a hint of competition or self-promotion in it, it's probably... Having a negative effect on your relationships, it can hurt both your life and your leadership. So those are some great things that I read from John Maxwell. Uh, Number one, uh, the reason that I think that pride destroys your life is because pride keeps us from listening. Pride prevents us from listening to others. We think we know everything, so we don't listen. So we think we know everything at work, so we don't listen. Our pride, we've done this before. I have more experience than you. I'm older than you. Um, pride keeps us from listening. Uh, or in our home, in our family relationships, we don't listen to our wife. We don't listen to our kids. We don't listen to our friends or our neighbors. We don't listen, and that gets in the way. Proverbs 1, 5 says, Let a wise person listen, and increase in learning, and let a discerning person obtain guidance. You and I need to do more to listen. Uh, Great communication is about 80% listening and maybe 20% speaking. and It's really a great thing when you choose to think about what you're going to say before you say it. So it's always hard to get those words back but a wise person listens to increase their knowledge. A wise person listens to get more facts. A wise person not only listens to the words, but tries to listen to what's going on behind the words. What type of emotion is there? Is there an urgency? Is there an anger? What is happening? What has happened? And what do we need to do now? So we need to be careful to make sure that we are keeping our ears open and not being so prideful that we think we've Heard it all, or we know it all, or um, it just leads to trouble. Proverbs 12:15 says, "Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others." So let us do all that we can to be good communicators and good listeners. Number two, pride makes us critical of others. Pride makes us critical of others. Prideful people are critical and always able to find fault and make suggestions for improvement. They often make fun of or belittle others. Proverbs 21, 24 says, Proud, haughty, scoffer are his names who acts with insolent pride. So don't be someone who mocks others and is always putting others down. All right, in Luke chapter 18, Jesus gave us an excellent example of an arrogant Pharisee who thought he was better than the tax collector. They both went to the temple to pray at the same time. Uh, Luke chapter 18, verse 10, two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, the other was a despised tax collector. Verse 11, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like the other people Cheaters, sinners, adulterers, and I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. So the Jewish tax collector was the most despised. Uh, they were collecting taxes for the Romans that were occupying Israel. Uh, everybody hated the tax collector. He was seen to be a traitor to his own people. Uh, but anyway. Luke chapter 18, verse 13, uh, it says, The tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, "Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. So Jesus told this parable because some of his listeners were very self-righteous, arrogant, and looked down on everyone else. So... um Pride hurts relationships because it causes us to be like the Pharisee by having an inflated opinion of ourselves, but a low opinion of others. The most serious relationship problems caused by our pride is between God and us. In verse 14, Jesus says, I tell you, the sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And Psalm 66, 18 says, If I had not confessed the sin in my heart... The Lord would not have listened. You know, we need to confess our sin before the Lord to be made right with him, to be saved from our sin. We are all sinners. Sin separates us from God. Sin is the thing that keeps us from going to heaven. Sin is the thing that keeps us from getting our prayers answered. Sin is the thing that keeps us from having a personal relationship with Jesus. And in Romans 10, 9, it says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. And verse 13 says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you'd like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, one of the best things you can do is to uh, go to Him in prayer. Pray something like this, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sin. Come into my life and save me. Make me the person you created me to be. I want to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us know if you did that so we can send you resources to help you to grow in the Christian life. All right, another issue with pride is that it keeps us from self-correction. So number three, pride keeps us from self Correction. It's very difficult for arrogant people to admit they are wrong. Many people believe the terrible lie that if they admit they're wrong, that people will take advantage of them or think that they're weak. But it is a great thing to admit that we are wrong, to admit that we're wrong uh, when we are wrong, to our co workers, to our friends, to our family, to our wives, to our children, even to admit to have humility that we are wrong. Uh, Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. So don't let pride destroy your relationship. Sometimes you need to say, I was wrong, or I'm sorry, or I didn't understand, or um, again, I was wrong is a difficult thing for a prideful person to say, but it really helps. And when we fall into sin, when we do what's wrong, uh, we should confess that to the Lord. In prayer, First John one nine says, If we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we need, as we go through life, we need to be humble. We need to realize that pride is sinful. Pride gets in our way of our relationship with Jesus and our relationship with others. Uh, God, our Heavenly Father, can't stand arrogant pride that um, when people turn their backs on Him and think that they've done everything themselves, that they're self-sufficient, that they don't need God. Uh, We do need the Lord in every way, and pride is destructive. So Proverbs 11.2 says, Pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Benjamin Franklin wrote in his autobiography, There's perhaps no one of our natural passions so hard to subdue as pride. Beat it down, stifle it, mortify it as much as one pleases. It is still alive. Even if I could conceive that I had completely overcome it, I should probably be proud of my humility. Yeah, that's a tough thing, isn't it? When you are proud of not being proud. (laughs) I'm proud of being humble. Let me tell you how humble I am. The old prince of preachers, the Baptist pastor Charles Spurgeon said, Be not proud of race, face, place, or grace. In Psalm 25, 9, it says... He leads the humble in doing right, teaching them his way. So we need to be humble. We need to follow Jesus. We need to realize that we are his servants, and we need to accomplish his purposes and do his will. So uh, here's a video clip from Oakland quarterback Derek Carr as he shares how his wife wrote him a life-changing letter before they were married. She called him out for talking like a Christian but living like a sinner. As Derek grew into a deeper relationship with Christ, the couple found the peace that passes all understanding as God showed up big during the life-threatening illness of their newborn child. I will say that both of my brothers enjoy
0: giving me a football and saying, hey, can you hit that house over there? Or, hey, can you throw it that far and hit that sign? Or for at the beach, can you hit that umbrella? I think Christ really became real to me when my wife, who is now my wife, at the time she was just a friend, she wrote me a letter and it said, you're not the person that I thought you were.
2: He would say one thing but act the opposite way. So he was talking about God and how much he loved God and then I would see him you know, going to the parties, hanging out with the girls.
0: Staying until 3 a.m., you know, all, all those things, you know, uh, you know, that was my lifestyle.
2: I thought he was so in love and on fire for God, but then I saw what he was doing, and it just wasn't adding up. You
0: know, I remember at that moment, uh, I felt so selfish, I felt so arrogant, I felt so cocky. Uh, but I was still a nice, genuine person. But I, I, all of a sudden, all these feelings came upon me. I got down on my knees, and it was finally—it was finally that time where God kind of put His foot down on my throat and said, "Hey, you guys, I got special plans for you, and you're screwing it up."
2: So I ended up sitting down talking to Derek, and he had apologized how he acted to me. He apologized how um, how he'd not been—you know—living the Christian life.
0: And that next week, we had a game at, at the University of Ole Miss, and. Uh, I got up in front of my whole team and I told them, I, I said, guys, I've been calling myself a Christian and, uh, you know, I haven't been living it. You know, I've been, you guys know what I've been doing. Uh, I'm a Christian now and uh, I've asked God for his forgiveness. Now watch how I live my lifestyle and that's really what a Christian's about.
2: And So that's when we started hanging out again and then um, later on we started to date, then we made it official and then, yeah.
0: Looking at him, and I was just in awe of God's creation. You
2: pack all the first day outfits that you're going to go home with, and you know, you're just so ready to take your baby home.
0: I remember I went to go grab the nurse because I knew something was wrong. I've been around seven nieces and nephews, but I'd never seen anything like that.
2: I couldn't sleep. I held him all night. Sat straight up, would not fall asleep. And you know, you're already so exhausted from giving birth.
0: You know, he had X-rays done and all that. He tells us Dallas is gonna to have to have surgery, um, emergency surgery. Before he went into surgery, they wheeled him out, and we all grabbed hands and I prayed over him and I prayed for his strength. And I, I praised God that we even had one day to to spend with him. And I remember just laying down, and I finally, I was so tired that when I hit, when, as soon as my head hit, I fell asleep and uh, they woke me up and the doctor said everything was great.
2: They told us at that time he'd spend 48 hours about in the NICU and then we'd get to go home. Well, I remember 48 hours later, he ended up having a second surgery. so we were home for about two weeks and Dallas started to throw up again. So we ended up taking him into the emergency room and this time the surgery was five hours long so you know you're just waiting there like was something really wrong like what's going on you know
0: i kept telling my wife that he was going to be okay she kept saying how are you so strong and i told her if you only knew (laughs) if you only knew because i would go into the bathrooms and cry my eyes out you can be a real christian but be dying inside you know because we're human
2: feeling God's peace that I could not ever explain.
0: That's how I know he's with me, because I have a peace and a joy. I can't describe it, but I have it, and I know it's real.
1: All right, anyway, number four, number four. Humility sees value in others. Humility sees value in others. Humility keeps you focused on the things that matter. Humility reminds you that success doesn't all come from what you have, but from what you offer to others with the things that God has allowed you to achieve. Your material success in life. An entrepreneur magazine in uh, 2017 they asked, why is humility the key to success? And it says, humble leaders use their skills, knowledge, and experience to bring people together to increase sales, improve production or quality, and give back to the community. Leaders who come from humility use their success for the greater good rather than for self-aggrandizement. So that is so true. The world values humility. The Bible values humility. Uh, we need to be humble Christians that serve God wisely. So life is more exciting when you share it with others and when you learn about others. Uh, Philippians two three says, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Walk with God and treat others right. Corey Dobbs wrote an article for the Academy of Sports Leadership about humility Says, a humble person, one driven by a strong and stable sense of humility, is simply more likely to help a teammate, to regard others as equals and worthy of a deep, close relationship. Simply said, the humble person who practices humility keeps their accomplishments, gifts, and talents in a proper perspective. They possess the self-awareness avoid self-serving distortions, and are keenly aware of their limitations. They value the welfare of teammates and have the ability to mindfully attend to the most uniqueness of each team member. Humility always contributes to unity. Uh, C.S. Lewis said, Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. So Romans 12.10 says, Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. So even when we're dealing with difficult people, uh, a person with real strength respects everyone. First Peter two seventeen, respect everyone and love the family of believers, fear God and respect the king. Number five, humility stays engaged and prepared. Humility stays engaged and prepared. First uh, Peter five six, humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. And Romans 12, 3 says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. When we are humble, we are more likely to serve the Lord. When we are humble, we are more likely to want to be used by the Lord. When we are humble, we are more likely to go into any situation in any place and serve the Lord. When we're humble, we're more likely to share about our relationship with Jesus Christ. We're more likely to tell other people about how they can be saved when we are humble. C.J. Mahaney is a pastor in the South, and he said that pride is when sinful human beings aspire to the status and position of God and refuse to acknowledge their dependence upon Him. And he wrote this article, Seven Signs of a Humble Athlete, that I found on the All Pro Dad website. That might be good if you're a dad. But anyway, um, he writes... Does your child play sports? One of the most important qualities they can have as an athlete is humility. In his book, Don't Waste Your Sports, he profiles what a humble athlete looks like. And I think this is so fitting to end this message. Number one, a humble athlete recognizes his limitations. We all come with divinely imposed limitations, limitations meant to humble us. Number two, the humble athlete welcomes critique and correction from coaches and teammates. If we're humble, we realize that we have weaknesses, so we welcome correction. If we're humble, we know we need to improve, so we want others to show us where and how. Number three, the humble athlete acknowledges the contribution of others. No athlete accomplishes anything alone. Number 4. The humble athlete is gracious in defeat and modest in victory. When the humble athlete loses, he recognizes that his opponents played better and that he sincerely congratulates them on their win. And when the humble athlete wins, there are no excessive celebrations, no inappropriate victory dances. He realizes that victory is a gift. The humble athlete honors his coach. He doesn't rip the coach in private. He doesn't slouch when on the bench, and he expresses gratitude and accepts the role the coach chooses for him. Six, the humble athlete respects the officials. He doesn't protest a call. Number seven, the humble athlete gives glory for all his athletic accomplishments to God. He knows that all of his athletic skill is ultimately a gift from God. Number six, and I'll be done, I promise. Number six, humility leads to true success. Humility leads to true success. Proverbs 22, 4, the reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor in life. James four, ten: humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. God is the one who ultimately gives wealth. God is the one who ultimately gives success. God is the one who can give us opportunity. He gives us life. He gives us time. He gives us health. Sometimes we go through struggles. Sometimes we have problems with finances. Sometimes we have problems with health. Sometimes we have problems looking for jobs and opportunities. That is a great time to humble ourselves before the Lord, repent of any sin, come into a personal relationship with Him, follow Him, learn His ways, and be ready for Him to bless us, to guide us, to show us what He has for us to do. Uh, That great man of God, A.W. Tozer said, let any man turn to God in earnest. Let him begin to exercise himself unto godliness. Let him seek to develop his powers of spiritual receptivity by trust and obedience and humility, and the results will exceed anything he may have hoped in his leaner and weaker days. When we put God first, we always come on ahead. When we humble ourselves and not think too highly of ourselves, God can truly use us. And that is the way that we need to live our lives. God might use you to do great things. And there might be many reasons for you to feel pride in your accomplishments. But don't think of yourself better than anyone. And glorify God in the opportunities and the success that He has given you. So anyway, River Rock Church isn't able to meet right now. Uh, We had met in the school for years, but because of COVID, uh, they didn't want us in there. So we are praying and seeking and strategizing and working to try to acquire a building or to build a building. So pray for us in that. Pray for us and that uh, we would be able to keep continuing our ministries. Uh, we're still doing Bible quizzing and life groups and uh, things like that. We want to help you grow spiritually, so let us know how we can help you. So um, people support River Rock Church when they give at riverrockchurch.com slash give. Uh, most people give online. Some people mail in checks to River Rock Church, P.O. Box 184, Belle Plain, Minnesota, 56011. Uh, you can go to our website, find the other resources, find out about upcoming messages, uh, find out how you can listen to more messages uh, from the past video and audio. Uh, Pastor Dan puts out a weekly devotional on uh, Facebook, but we put, post it on our website, riverrockchurch.com. You can go there. You can take a look. But anyway, I've taken more than enough time. So I hope that you have an awesome week, and I hope that you can apply some part of this message to your life, and uh, experience the success that humility brings. Have a great week. You've been listening to a message from River Rock Church. River Rock Church exists to help people of all ages connect to Christ and live well lives. W stands for worshiping, E for encouraging, L for learning, and L for loving. God wants you to be well. Visit riverrockchurch.com for our latest news and to access resources to help you and the people you care about live well lives.